0: hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of James. As you turn to James, I want to let you know a little bit about uh, what we're doing this semester and kind of why we're doing it. So we're walking through the book of James. uh, We've titled our series Faith Plus Works. Now, something that you'll notice that we will be doing this semester is really walking through this book. And what I mean by that is going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you haven't noticed, and maybe some of you see this in your own life, but we, we live in a, what I would say, biblically illiterate time. And what that means is that people do not understand the Bible. We hear Bible verses, a lot of times we may hear them out of context. Uh, some, you know, J- Jeremiah 29, 11, Philippians 4:13. these are verses that a lot of people know, but we don't often know the context. And so what we're doing through James is we're, we're walking through and we're saying, hey, what's the context of what's being communicated? What is God saying to to the people that this was originally written to, and how does this apply to us? Because we know that God's word is important for us today. Some people would say the Bible is not relevant, but we know that it is very relevant, but we have to know what has been said so we can know what it is saying right now. And so that's why we're going to walk through it the way we are. And so John chapter 1, I don't know if I said chapter 2 a minute ago, but John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. It's good to see that you... James, I know, we did John like a year ago, so go ahead and turn to James. I'm just trying to see if you're paying attention. James chapter one, I preached in John last week at a different thing, so I got John on my mind. Um, it's good to see that everybody survived the ice uh, icepocalypse. Uh, some of you had some time uh, to do homework. I know you made the best of that time. Some of, you, some of you, you know, you studied ahead for your classes. You looked to see the chapters of what was coming ahead. If you're working, you worked ahead. Some of you are like no not a chance some of you you spent hours upon hours playing call of duty uh eating pizza rolls between games and just playing some more i know it i was in college once i broke my foot and i just played xbox live while i was healing i felt like i had a good excuse for that um as you're finding james and going back between james and john i I told this story a long time ago some of you may have heard me say it before but when angela and i first uh, came on well Angela's not on staff but when I first came on staff here and when Angela and I stepped into this role um, we took a cruise and we had finished one job and, and we were coming here and we took a cruise and so I was driving a Honda Civic at the time and we parked it uh, on in the out, outside parking lot and we went on this cruise it was great we were celebrating our anniversary and it was a time of transition for us and so we get off of the cruise we had a great time And we go to start my car. And it had been kind of acting a little squirrely, you know, like where you would start it and it would take a few times and then it would get going. But it always got going except for this time. And so I'm trying to start it. And and if you've ever had this panic set in where it's starting to turn over and you're like, it's about to start, but then it doesn't. And you're like, it's okay, it's done this before. And then it's trying to start and then it doesn't. And with every time it doesn't start, I'm starting to sweat a little bit. And it's already hot outside. I'm very hot. I mean we we I parked the car in this big giant parking lot and it's in Florida. And and so I'm getting very hot and I keep trying and I keep trying and I'm like this is not starting. What are we going to do? We're in Florida. I we live in Birmingham and, and we are in Florida and so we end up calling a guy to tow it and I'm thinking this is this is terrible. We gotta get back to Alabama. We were supposed to see her parents and spend some time with them. And so to make a long story short, we tow the car to this place and we sit there for probably over five hours. I wish I wish Austin Harrison would have been there because he would have fixed it like that. But these guys, they didn't know what was wrong with it. And so uh, I initially said, hey, can, you, can I just like sell this to you? Because we had been talking about buying a new car anyways. And I was like, I don't want to tow this to Alabama or keep it here in Florida. And they're like, well, I would buy it from you, but I don't have enough money, the guys that are working on it. And so anyways, the owner of the shop ended up coming out and he said, hey, I hear you're interested in selling this. And so I ended up selling that car. And then the next day, me and Angela went to her parents and we bought another car crazy moment, this moment where we drive down in one car, and we sell it, and we come back, and it was a frustrating time in our life, that was one of the probably more frustrating things that has taken place while we've been married, but I can think of other frustrating moments, Uh, for instance, uh, many of you know, we just moved houses, houses. and before we moved in, so we bought the house, and we were showing it to my parents before we even moved our stuff in, and Angela looks, and it's like, was that water here last time, and I was like, hmm, no, it wasn't there, and so our hot water heater was leaking. So we had to get a new hot water heater, and so we went like a week without hot water. Angela was taking showers at the house that we were living at, and I was taking cold showers. I was trying to be one of the boys, uh, taking a cold shower. Just you know, I was tensing up every time the water would hit me, and um, and I'm reminded of moments in my life where there was some frustrating, what I would call trials. A lot of people would say, well, that's not really a trial, but What we see in James, in the first part, is that James says uh, that that, that he's kind of writing that the main theme is this theme of trials. And he said trials of all different kinds. We talked about this last week. We talked about how the group that he's writing to in James, many would say that this is the church that's scattered in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read Acts 8 verses 1 and 2. It says this, Because this is right after Stephen has been martyred for his faith. He's been killed. He's been stoned. Acts 8, verse 1 and 2 says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. Remember, Saul was a part of that moment where Stephen's being stoned. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. And made great lamentation over him. And so again, last week we kind of started out this theme that James is talking about of trials and tribulations and and believers walking through this. And many would say, "Hey, this is a part of what's taking place in the believers' lives that's happening in James." So when James says, "Hey, count it all joy when you find yourself in trials and tribulations," that we need to be thinking about what's taking place in Acts chapter eight. That these that these believers they're being persecuted. But what James says at the beginning is he says trials of of different kinds. And so some of you, uh, maybe there's been some small trials today or this week, but I want you to be thinking about some trials that have taken place in your life. Some of us have experienced bigger things, maybe last year or like I said, this week. Um, but, But last week, what we looked at and what we realized is that trials form us to God's standard and they force us to seek God's help. Now, we're going to pick up in verse 9 tonight, and and here's what we're going to discover. That a right perspective in trials dictates a right response. So a a right perspective in trials dictates a right response. If we don't have the right perspective, we will go about life the wrong way when it comes to trials, when it comes to tribulations, temptations, things like this. So let's begin reading in verse 9. Um, James writes this, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. I want to invite you to take notes tonight. Each week after week, we provide this note sheet. And I know some of you, you're just not a note taker, and that's okay. But I do believe that when we take notes, we're able to remember a little bit more. And I want to remind you that what we talk about tonight is not just for you. We've said this many times before, but we're called to make disciples. And so the things you learn about God's word and the things you learn about who God is, that that we're really commissioned to teach other people. Again, the conversations at work, at school, hopefully these things will come up. And so I'll invite you to take notes. And truth number one for tonight is this, fortunes fade. Fortunes fade. Again, we just read about this passage where, 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 where there's something that's fading. It says, so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Fortunes fade. Uh, according to an article in USA Today, I, I was checking out the average amount of debt that people have. And it broke it down the average amount of credit card debt that we see in america is sixteen thousand eight hundred and eighty three dollars average credit card debt debt the average amount of auto loan debt is twenty nine thousand five hundred and thirty nine dollars and the average amount of student loan debt is fifty thousand six hundred and twenty six dollars Now, obviously, there are a lot of factors that play into the amount of debt that people have and why they have it. And we don't have time to get into that. But even this article, this article stated, Americans are living beyond their means. And could it be that Americans are seeking, they're seeking pride and comfort in monetary items, Again, we, we, we all want to be viewed at as having things. We, we want to be noticed. Could it be that some of this debt is related to, I want to be viewed a certain way? And could it be that some of this debt is related to because I want to be comfortable? Pride and comfort. And could it be that this is what has driven Americans to accumulate a certain amount of debt to purchase things that they actually don't have money to buy? And we see that in the text we just read, James chapter 1, verse 9 says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. And we see that the humble, lowly person is compared to the person who is pursuing riches. And I would ask you this, does this lifestyle of seeking to purchase monetary things for comfort and for pride, does this characterize your life? Does this characterize the church as God's people who are called to live distinctly different than the world we live in? Does this characterize our life? Are we pursuing riches in the same way? So in verse 9, we see this, the the, the lowly brother, the humble brother is being compared. Uh, uh, James writes, let the lowly brother glory or take pride in his exaltation. Uh, The Christian Standard Bible Translates this verse in in a slightly different way. We read, "Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position." So, what's being said? What James is communicating is that the humble person, the lowly person, who is a believer. Because again, James says the, the, the lowly brethren, so he's talking about a believer, somebody who is a follower of Christ, that this person should be taking pride, should be rejoicing in the fact that they have a high position. Not a high earthly position, but a high position because they're a part of God's family. That they should be glorying in that, taking pride in the fact that I belong to God's family. And this we see is compared to the person who's pursuing riches, to this person who's pursuing a lifestyle of accumulating. And so we see that our glory or pride should not be in our possessions. Our glory should be in our position. This is a different mindset because many of us would work extremely hard to accumulate possessions and to accumulate a lifestyle in which other people look at us and say, look at them. But what James says is that the lowly brother, the humble person should glory in his position. The fact that that I'm a Christ follower, which means I belong to God. I have purpose and I belong in the family of God. And although the believer's financial status may be small on earth, he or she is rich in Christ. And so we see that this this idea of looking at who Christ is and the position one has in Christ is so much greater than earthly possessions. So let's look at this again, verse 9 and, and through verse 11. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Again, James uses some imagery here so that we can get in our mind that there's a, some grass, there's a flower, and the sun is coming out, and this thing is dying. It's passing away. It's not going to sustain. He says, verse 11, For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. So James is making it very clear that riches of this earth will pass away. He makes that very clear and he says that they're like grass. They're like a flower. Based on this week, we could say it's like ice and snow. It's there and it's beautiful. Some of you, you probably took some great pictures of snowflakes. It was pretty cool to see those, but those soon melted. It passed away. And James says, hey, this is what the riches of this earth will do. They will pass away. The person who's pursuing that lifestyle, it's not going to last. Monetary possessions are going to pass away. We see that they fade away. And James says in James chapter 4, verse 14, if you flip over a few pages, he even says that your life is similar to this. He says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, our time on this earth is limited. And the perspective, this perspective encourages us to persevere. When we realize that our time is limited, when we realize that, that these verses, verses 9 through 11, when we see that, that, that riches of this earth, they pass away, and when we remember the context of what James is saying, that this group of people that... They're undergoing much persecution and trials. And so it would be very easy for them to trust in the things of this earth to get them through. But James reminds them, says, hey, let the lowly person exalt or or rejoice in his exaltation, in his position that he has with God, knowing that the things of this earth will soon pass away. Some of you are going through some very hard things, and you need to rejoice because this earth will one day pass away. And if you are a Christ follower, you will be with Jesus for all eternity. And you can see the things of this earth that they will soon be done for. And James is talking about this. You see, when we have the right perspective on fortunes, we can persevere in faithfulness. But what happens is when we get distracted by the things of this earth, when we get distracted by our trials, and we often look to earthly things to sustain us through those trials. But James is saying, no, think about your exaltation think about your position in Christ and remember that the things of this earth they will pass away so truth number 1 fortunes fade now this now this does not mean that we shouldn't seek to earn money but what we understand is that that earning money is not a means to getting you through trials We need to realize that the money that we have honestly does not belong to us. It belongs to God. We are simply stewards of that, and one day that will pass away. Continue to look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now, what's interesting is this word temptation is the same word that James used earlier for the word trials, but it's used in a much more negative light in verse 12, and that's why it's translated temptation. But Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So truth number two is desires deceive. Desires deceive. Now, for those of you that were around this summer, we walked through this. We talked out of several passages in Proverbs where our desires, our fleshly desires often deceive us, and they don't lead to the outcome that we would like. Um, if you've been living off the grid or playing too much Call of Duty, you may have missed this trend of eating Tide Pods. It's very odd. Um, there's all kinds of sto- stuff out there. I'm sure you've seen it. There's memes that have been posted and videos of people eating them, it's really ridiculous. So all of this originated because somebody said, you know, hey, this looks kind of like a piece of candy. And then somebody said, well, hey, I'm going to act like a piece of candy. I'm going to eat it and get a lot of attention. And, and in reality, it kind of does. It looks swirly, and it looks like, a, like it could be on a stick, and it would be a sucker. But obviously, it's not going to taste like it, even though it may look like it. But every single one of us, there has been something in our life, some form of sinfulness, that we've looked to, and we've said, hey, this looks good. And then we went after it only to realize that this does not taste the way it looked. This is not fulfilling me the way that I thought that it would. See, there's all sorts of sins out there. Maybe there's been some things that have taken place in a relationship and you thought, man, this is going to fulfill me, but it didn't. Maybe there was something like alcohol or drugs and you thought, hey, this will fulfill me. This will satisfy me, but it didn't. You see, our fleshly desires, they deceive us. And this is how Satan works. The enemy would want to show you something and say, look how shiny this is. Look how good it looks. If only you had this, your life would be perfect. And so we begin to look at that and long for that, and we lust after it. And what James says is, hey, this leads to sin, and sin leads to death. And I know I can go back in my life, and I can look at things that I looked at, and I said, man, this is going to bring joy. This is going to bring satisfaction. But all it does is bring pain. It brings suffering. We see that in verse 14, James writes, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And this is that moment that you see something outside of God's will, something outside of God's plan. But in your mind, you're thinking, no, 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 this is a good thing. We often hear people, hey, follow your heart. But that's very dangerous to do because many of us have followed our hearts and our hearts have led us astray. That what we need to be following is we need to be following God's word. We need to be following God in the direction that he's leading us because we understand that often our desires will lead us in a direction that only leads to death. Verse 15 says, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown, it brings forth death. And we see that James, he gives some imagery of something growing within us. And so you know those things that you've had in your mind. That's where sin starts. It starts in your mind, and you begin to think on it and dwell on it, and then you begin to act on it. And we understand that sin takes place. And obviously, according to verses like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. We've all done that. And Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And, and we see even in James that he's saying that's sin, it, it's leading to death. It's leading to death. Think about some of the things that have taken place in your life that have been trials and the way you've responded to those. Have you responded by seeking to fulfill your desire in that trial or following God? Because, again, the context of this chapter here is trials that are taking place in the believer's life. So let's say that you're single. You're going through a trial, per se, of feeling lonely, not having somebody in your life. And you may be tempted to force a relationship with someone doing that outside of God's will, knowing, hey, this is not somebody I need to be in a relationship with. Or maybe somebody pursues you and you know it's not somebody that you should be in a relationship with, but you give into that. Again, that's that idea of there's a trial, if you will, in your life and you're responding in the wrong way. And you're giving into that temptation. You're following your heart, if you will, instead of following God. Maybe someone has hurt you, and as a Christian, you're called to forgive them. But in that trial, you respond by fulfilling your desires and seeking revenge and expressing hate and anger in a way that does not honor God. So do you see how there are different trials that take place in our life? And if we're not careful, we will follow our heart, and our heart will lead us astray, and it will lead us to sinfulness. And we see that James, he's working through this idea of temptation, being tempted amidst moments of trials. Now, if we go back to verse 12, verse 12 said, says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The one who endures temptation is persevering through a trial. And James says that this man is blessed. This man can rejoice because he's living out God's will. This person can rejoice because he or she is going to experience life in all of its fullness. And James mentions this crown of life. And we see different crowns mentioned throughout the New Testament. And what we need to realize is that this is a fullness of God that can be experienced. But not all Christians will experience this type of fullness. We all know that there are Christians who are not experiencing the Christian life in its fullest. We know that there are Christians who are not walking with Jesus in the way that they should. And so they're not experiencing the fullness that they could be. And James says that the person who endures the trial, the person who is enduring the temptation, the one who's walking with God, the one who is persevering in that, that person will experience the fullness of life with Jesus. And the person who's giving into temptation, who's giving into their desires, they're receiving destruction. That person is receiving the end of that desire, which is not going to satisfy. It is not going to fulfill. And so we see that James here is comparing these two things. In John chapter 14, verse 15, John writes, if you love me, and this is Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commandments. Our love for God is demonstrated by our obedience to God. And James is talking about this person that is persevering and enduring temptation. This person is doing it because they love God. Their love for God is greater than their heart's desire for whatever sin is out there. Their love for God is demonstrated by obedience to him. They see that there is a richness that is in Jesus, and it is so much greater than the richness of some sin some petty pleasure that's going to end up bringing pain. And so even in verses 9 through 11, we see riches, we see physical riches, earthly riches, and how the believer is to rejoice in the riches they have in Christ. And then in, in verse 12, we see that the, that the believer should endure temptation out of a love for God, knowing that he is so much greater than anything that our fleshly desires could bring. See, giving into deceptive temptations is nothing to be compared to what we have in Christ Jesus. And when we have the right perspective on temptations, we can persevere in truthfulness. So if we take a step back and we say, hey, if I follow this path, if I follow my fleshly desires, it will lead over here. But I can trust that even in hard times, if I continue to follow Jesus, I will experience fullness of life. We have to have the right perspective. Desires, fleshly desires deceive. Now let's look back to our text. We skipped over verse 13, and I did that on purpose. I want us to go back and read that. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted. So in moments of our temptation, it can be easy to think, hey, God is tempting me. Although God allows trials in our life, God does not put sin out there as if to say, hey, are you going to grab it? God does not want you to fall into sin. God does not want me to fall into sin. God is not trying to get us to sin. James goes on to talk about what God is giving the believer in verses 16 through 18, and this is what we read. Verse 16 says, "Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of Lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own he will, excuse me, of his own will he brought of, of his own, will he bring us forth by the word of truth? that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. So lastly, we see that God gives. He's a giver. He's a good gift giver. James says every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Now, let's hold on right here because what we've just walked through, some different verses of, hey, here's what the world can give you. The world can give you riches, Your fleshly desires can can give you its end, which may be momentary pleasure, but it's going to be a lifetime of pain. But James just said that God is the only giver of what is good and perfect. He is a good and perfect gift giver. He says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Throughout both the Old and the New Testament, we can see where God is giving things to his people, where God is taking care of them. He's providing for them. And most importantly, God is giving them life. He is a life giver. We see this. Verse 18 says, Of his own own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So we see that he is the giver of life, that you and I have life because of what God has done. He's given us life. He says that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So we have life because God has given it to us. We didn't earn it. We didn't purchase it. It was purchased for us through the blood of Jesus. God is the only way to salvation, and he's the only one who can satisfy See, a right perspective in trials dictates a right response. I cannot respond properly if I don't have the right perspective. And what you and I have done tonight is we've kind of stepped back. And what we see is that, hey, earthly riches, they're going to pass away. Does that mean that we don't ever deal with money? No, we do. We go and we work jobs, but we do these things for God's glory. And we do these things knowing that God is, has allowed us to be stewards and managers of the things he's given us. But we have to have the right perspective on those that we should not be trusting in riches, we should be trusting in who Jesus is. We have to have the right perspective on temptations. We have to step back and realize, if I go down this road, this is where it will lead. That true life is only found in Jesus. And we understand that God is the, he's the one true good gift giver. A right perspective in trials dictates a right response. Um, I, I wanted to share a brief story with you, um, and it's actually, the book is in the back. I was going to read a passage, but I want to just give you uh, just a little glimpse at, at, at this book, and I would encourage you to check it out. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs is, is, the, on, is the oldest book on, um, on people who've been martyred. It was written in like the 1500s, and then it's been translated into different languages. And there's a story of a guy named Romanus, And um, he's being persecuted because of his faith in Christ. And we see that this man, he's being persecuted to the point where he continues to talk about Jesus. And again, we're talking about trials. And when we look at Stephen's life in Acts chapter 7, where he's martyred because of his faith, and then we look at other stories. Again, many of us have heard different stories of martyrs. Well, in this book, it talks about this guy, Romanus, and he's being persecuted because of his faith. And we see that the authorities, they continue to do one thing after another. At one point, they're beating him in his face. He's missing teeth. There's scratches on his face. There's holes in his mouth. But he continues to proclaim who Jesus is. He's continuing to proclaim. At one moment, he's being persecuted. And the guy who's persecuting him sees the crowd and grabs a young boy who's about seven years old. And basically asked this seven-year-old boy some of the questions he's been asking Romanus. And we see that this seven-year-old boy is a Christian. He's a Christ follower. And because of his response to the authority figure, we see now this authority figure is beating this seven-year-old. His mother's in the crowd, and his mother looks at him and says, the book says, with dry cheeks. She's not crying at all. But she's not crying, and she explains to him basically to remember who he belongs to and to have the right perspective because she understands that he is being persecuted because of his faith. She understands that this earth is only temporary. She understands that her son believes in Jesus. Her son has life. And if this persecution leads to his death, then so be it because he's going to spend eternity with Jesus. And we see ultimately that both Romanus and this seven-year-old boy end up dying. Uh, Romanus, they end up cutting out his tongue, but he continues to proclaim who Jesus is. And I'm reminded of what Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, we can have hope amidst trials because of our perspective on those trials. If we do not have the right perspective in life, we will not respond in the way we should. And so I challenge you that in some of your spare time that you wouldn't just read the book of James, but that you would also look at the book of Philippians. Because we see in this book that Paul is enduring different trials. And we see that one of the themes is chapter 1, verse 21. For for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you would bow your heads with me.